you get my age, you've got to have water. And then you've got to have buttons to push. This button and this button and this button to get you to going. But anyhow, good to see you here today. Being a father, I join you today as you are a father in wishing you a uh, happy Father's Day. Some of you were here back when I celebrated my 50 years of uh, ministry of pastoring churches. Uh, and my son and family were here. My son made some statements uh, on what I am known as. Uh, and if you remember, some says, uh, some call me preacher. <clears throat> some call me pastor. Some call me reverend, which I do not like. Some just call me brother, or some call me Jerry. But he said we children call him dad. If my figures are correct, 385,000 men in America today will become fathers. So millions of young men will take a life-changing step this year into fatherhood. And those steps that they take is more important than how they vote, where they will live, what they will work at, or even what church they attend. Three men were in the waiting room waiting for their children to be born. Doctor came in and said to one man, Congratulations. <clears throat> you are the father of twins. Your wife is doing great. Children are doing great. <clears throat> he said, uh, That's strange. I work for a dual pane insulating company. A little bit, another one came in and said, uh, Congratulations. You're the father of, twin, uh, of triplets. Uh, wife's doing fine. Children are doing fine. You can go back and see them after a while. He said, that's strange. I work for 3M Tape Company. Third one fainted. <laughs> he got him up and says, what's wrong with you? He says, I work for 7-Up. We are at a fork in the road in America, and never in the history of this country have fathers felt more pressure or sought more professional help for training of the children. And I know there's a saying that came out some years ago, it takes a whole village to train a child or to teach a child. I somewhat disagree with that statement. I think it takes a father and a mother in the home agreeing one with another and raising that child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We know that one of the problems of our day is the missing father in the home. We have started a study in our Sunday schools uh, 
on the book of uh, Proverbs, which I believe is God's manual for raising children. Somewhat difficult for us teaching this Sunday school in our adult Sunday school. We've been dealing now with the five, six, and seven in Proverbs, which is X-rated. So if you missed out on that, uh, you missed a blessing. I heard about a young woman who said, before she married, she says, I have six theories about raising children when I get married. Now that I'm married, I have six children and no theories. There was another mother that I heard of that uh, she had four little ones and had just recently moved into the community. Uh, and the neighbors noticed the little ones and they had a, a playpen over there that they were not using. So the woman said to her husband, I think you need to take this playpen over to our neighbor. I think she can use that. Uh, so he took it over to her and... Uh, she took it into the house, uh, and uh, a few days later, there was a thank you note on the neighbor's house. Thank you for the playpen that you brought over to the house. I now can sit in it in the afternoon and read, and my children can't get to me. <laughs> I just tell them, Pastor. <laughs> Proverbs 22. A very familiar passage of scripture to all of us. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Mary and I have had a great responsibility of raising four children. And one day I believe I will stand before God and give an account of how that I raise those children. This passage that I read to you this morning has been one of the most, interpret, uh, most misinterpreted passages of Scripture uh, that I've ever heard of. In fact, someone said to me not long ago, this passage of Scripture. And here was their interpretation of uh, this passage of Scripture. Be sure that your child is in Sunday school every Sunday. Make sure that they go to church at a very early age. Teach them a lot of the Bible verses and hymns. and Make sure that they learn the Ten Commandments and a few prayers that they can pray before meals and bedtime. And teach them a prayer maybe that they can pray in a case of emergency. If possible, send them to a Christian school. See that they attend a couple of Christian camps uh, during the summers. Force your rules and regulations uh, with strictness upon them because one day when they become a teenager, they're going to go out and sow their wild oaks and live in rebellion and uh, turn their back on God. But am I not promised that one day when they get old, they will return? That is not what this passage of Scripture teaches. 
And if that has been your interpretation of it, you're fixing to get enlightened. Because that's not what it says. I've heard children make a statement like this. When I get old enough, I'm going to leave this home and I'm going to leave this church and I'm never going to look back. So let's take a few moments and just really interpret what this verse is saying unto us. First two words, train up. Twofold meaning. It was first used when a midwife delivered a baby. Now I know we've got all the modern technology today and all the modern ways of, of uh, babies being born. Uh, I remember speaking to somebody one time and I said, uh, I was uh, not born in a hospital. And they said, why were you not born in a hospital? I said, because I want to be near my mother. <laughs> I was born in the front living room of my uncle's house by a midwife. Miss Annie Dean, I think she birthed every child in that community. But a midwife would take dates or grapes uh, and they would crush them up and make a little mixture uh, and then they would dip their finger in that and they would place it into the mouth of the child uh, and create a sucking type situation as they would suck on that, uh, uh, on, on that finger uh, and uh, so, uh, there was, by the way, there was no baby formal or shortage in that day. Because a formula came from the mother. So, some have gone back to that practice, if you have noticed sometimes. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, she would create in that child how to uh, suck on the mother's breast, uh, then there's another meaning uh, that it, it talks about direction. Uh, and this is the one that we don't like, but it describes of putting a rope uh, around the mouth of the horse to bring that individual or bring that horse into subjection. So I think we are responsible as dads uh, to guide them in certain direction and create a thirst in their life. Uh, uh, only two of us in my immediate family... Uh, I have a sister uh, that is seven years younger than me. My sister never got a whipping that I can recall. I got my share of them. Whether they came from the belt that went around my dad's waist uh, or out in the front yard, which was a peach tree that I didn't know bared peaches. I thought it was a hickory tree. And I resented that until I grew up uh, and I began to read the Word of God and I read in the Bible where it said, the Father chastens those that He loves. So I guess, in a way, my dad loved me more than I thought he did. Not only are we to train them up in the way that they should go. And that brings us to the second words in the way, every child, the child that was dedicated here this morning, I know the mother and father are going to see certain things in them. 
But every child has a certain bent. By that I simply mean this. They have a certain way that God wants that child to go. I mean, uh, I'm afraid many parents miss that. Uh, fathers and mothers, and I've even said this myself, uh, I'm older than they are and I, I know the way that they should go. I know what they should do. Uh, every Christian family, usually, uh, uh, they said, well, I think what my child needs, I think my child needs uh, some musical skills. How many of you young people uh, went and took one or two piano lessons as you were growing up? Because uh, mom and daddy wanted you to learn how to play the piano. I wanted to learn to play the piano. I found out where middle C was, and that's about all I know. I know everything's supposed to kind of escalate from that one way or the other. Now, Tammy and Melissa, my two oldest ones, uh, uh, they went and took piano lessons. Uh, and uh, I purchased a piano, an old upright piano. I don't know what I give for that thing, but nevertheless, when they got done with it, I give it away. But I purchased that piano, and Tammy went, and she learned to play the piano first. And in our home over in Demarest, Georgia, that piano sat in the dining room over against the corner, and she learned to play one song. I don't remember the name of that song now. We were so glad that she could play. That was it. I mean, she could play that song. And she'd go in there after school or in the end of the day when we were trying to rest and get peace of mind. And she would play that song. And she would play that song. And she would play that song over and over and over and over again. And I remember my wife saying to me, don't she know something else? <laughs> and I said... Don't you know another song? Nope. So we heard that song. Do you remember that song, Tammy? Do you remember the name of it? I'm glad when she learned to play another one. <laughs> and then Melissa come along and she learned to play also uh, songs. And uh, we used to uh, sing some together. In fact, uh, it was kind of strange when they grew up. I had a ministry in the jail. You girls remember that. And we'd go into the jail, into the, into the bullpen, they called it. That's where all the prisoners would come in, and we'd go in, and I'd play the guitar. There wasn't no piano there, but I'd play the guitar, and we'd sing, and uh, all the prisoners were in there. I, I've had up to 80 prisoners in the prison cell. And they were always worried, said, what about something happens, Dad? I said, get behind me. I'm going to use this guitar as a weapon. <laughs> so we would go in and entertain them, preach the Word of God. And uh, I realized uh, that uh, one day maybe I didn't need to do that. Of course, they cut that out because... A lot of people were uh, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. 
The Amplified Version of the Bible reads like this. Train up a child in the way they should go in keeping with their individual gifts. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And that's exactly what this passage of Scripture is teaching unto us. Uh, your child may have gifts. Uh, they may not have any gifts like you in any way whatsoever, or even your wife. Uh, and uh, it becomes very frustrating sometimes uh, when we're trying to raise a child in a way that is not familiar with us. We think that that child ought to do it this way or do it that way. And that child has no interest in doing it the way that you think it ought to be done. Or do you know what I'm talking about? Do this. I know I've got four children, all of them opposite. Scott and Jennifer's got two boys here, twins, but I guarantee you they're opposite. They're opposite. It happened that way in the first family. Adam and Eve had two kids to begin with. Cain and Abel, remember them? By the way, Adam said one day to Eve, we're going to raise Cain as soon as we get Abel. Both from the same father, same mother, but totally opposite. Abel, if you remember, he was a lover of God. Very unselfish. Had a missionary heart about him. Desiring to bring the right offering at the right time because he had been taught this. But Cain, very opposite of that. He was at a, had a very stubborn will. He loved himself. He married outside of what, what Adam and Eve wanted him to do. And he was not a missionary, but he was a murderer. He killed his own brother. You said, why didn't they do something about him killing his brother? There was no commands to, in that day said that a life for a life should be taken. So they let him go. So they had a missionary and they had a murderer. Now who are you going to blame? Adam, if you hadn't let them go over and play with their cousins, they wouldn't be like they are. They didn't have any cousins. Or if you hadn't let them go over to grandma and grandpa's house, they wouldn't be like they are. They didn't have grandma and grandpa. So we can blame it on who we want to. And I'm sure if you were to take them to a psychologist, they would have said, you messed those boys up when you had to move out of the garden. That's their problem. That's the problem. Just face the facts. They were different. The same parents. And as you go a little further in the Word of God, you run up on two other boys. You run up on a boy, <clears throat> two twins uh, by the name of Jacob and Esau. Esau, an outdoorsman, uh, smelled like a hunter, uh, rugged, uh, had a, a rugged nature about him. Uh, uh, 
But uh, he had a brother, and he was not the outdoor type. He didn't enjoy going out and getting dirty. And I don't know if any of y'all have watched Outdoor Boys on YouTube, but you need to watch that and watch that dad and how he's teaching those boys uh, the ways of life. And he takes them out and he camps with them in the swamps, uh, and they eat crawdads and bullfrogs and, and, and all that kind of a thing. Just type in Outdoor Boys and look at that. It's, it's fascinating. He takes them out into the snow and he builds snow tunnels back in the thing and, and they camp out there all night in the snow in, in, in below freezing weather. Jacob was not like Esau. He was not the outdoor type. He liked the home. He liked to cook. He liked to hang around the, the, the kitchen. So you've got two different personalities here, two different mindsets, two different likes and, and dislikes in, in the same home. And it's amazing how different kids come from the same parents, but they're totally different in the world that we live in. Don't ever compare your children one with another. Now, Tammy and Melissa was kind of mild-mannered. They did get a few whippings. I've got one you could beat her half to death and you wouldn't accomplish anything. But take away the phone. Take away the privileges. You can't go here. You can't go there. I've seen her sit in her room and say, Dad, just whip me. Just go ahead and whip me. No, I'm not going to whip you. You're getting punished. So don't ever compare your children one with another because they're totally different. And I know Mary and I have said, well, she said that they're acting like your daddy. And I said, no, they're acting like your mother. So we have a tendency to want to blame somebody else uh, for what's going on. Then here's the secret. When he grows old, or when they grow old, they will not depart from it. Uh, that is not when they are 75 or 80 years old, and they are either white-headed or no-headed hair. And then they're going to return. It's our responsibility to help our child know who or she is. Uh, it's our responsibility to give them security in times of need. Uh, we did not always we did not always have the greatest food that it was out there, but we did have food. I remember as a young man, <clears throat> here's a young man, I'm pastoring a church that really doesn't care where I pastor them or not. Uh, they have no desires or anything in that church. They just, they just a church. I'm pastoring that church. I've got a job like you've got. I'm driving a school bus. Uh, I'm going to school, 
two nights a week trying to get an education and then I'm cutting pup wood on the side trying to feed those kids. And I'm off down in the woods and the feller has given me some pup wood. If I'll go cut it down, he says, you can have it. Just go cut it down. And it was a big field of field pine that had limbs all the way from the bottom to the top. Now, if you've never cut pup wood, you don't know really what I'm talking about. But I'm down there with a home light chainsaw. I'm cutting this pup wood up and I'm cutting this up and I'm sweating uh, profusely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, and, and I'm there and I says, God, what did I do? What did I do? I've got a load of pup wood on. I've got an old 52 Chevrolet truck, a ton uh, with a winch on that thing. And I'm coming out of there to take my pup wood to the yard to where I can get 10 or $12 for the load of wood that's on that thing. And I punch a hole in the radiator on that thing. And I'm sick. By the way, I come by my dad's station and this thing's spewing water out of the radiator and he goes into the cafe and comes out with a box of pepper and pours in it and it quits. Truck sneezed a few times driving it down the road. It's our responsibility to teach them. And I know I'm not as good a teacher as some. But no better thought could be said unto your child if they've chosen a way if they have figured out the way that God wants them to go, if they know that this is what God is leading them to do, encourage them to do what God is calling them to do and don't try to get them to go in another direction. I know one man that went away. He did all of his schooling. His mom and daddy wanted him to be a doctor and they paid for it and he got a doctor's degree. He opened up a business and he doctored for several years and one day he sold the business and went out and bought him a plumbing truck and went into the plumbing business. You said, why did he want to do that? Because he wanted to be a plumber from the start. And if they want to be a plumber, let them be a plumber. If they want to be an electrician, let them be an electrician. If they want to be a lawyer or a doctor or a merchant or a chief, whatever it is that God is leading them to do, by all means, encourage them to do that. Amen. What's good for one may not be good for another. I mean, all three of my girls can sing. Don't ask my son to sing. He can't sing. He couldn't carry a tune in a tin bucket with a lid on it. Now, he's training some girls to, to play and sing. Uh, Parker's only learning how to fish. Nothing wrong with that. I've always said if you teach a boy how to hunt and fish, you usually don't have any problem with them. Don't have any problem with them. God has a bent for your child. It's your responsibility, moms and dads, and I'm speaking to both of you. It's your responsibility to find out what that bent is. 
I thought my bet was to lay in the bed on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday morning, but my dad knew different. And I think if we're sensitive, I think God will show us the bet that's in that child. Now, there's some things in life that we have to stand against. There's some things in, in life that we battle with. We battle with what is wrong. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, as Jim was teaching, he was speaking about some things that we as men have to battle with that is out there in the world. And I'm sure that there's a lot of women that are out there having to battle uh, basically uh, uh, with some of the same thing. Uh, uh, and I know this. I know this from experience. Uh, when your child is first born and you bring them home from the hospital and you get them in there, you know that you've got an angel in your presence. But I want to tell you, as they grow older, their wings get shorter. And they're not the little angel that you brought home. I read something kind of cute the other day. Let me share it with you. Five-year-old boy explained why people have holes in their tummies. He said, when God's finished with little babies, He lines them all up. He walks down in front of them and takes His finger and pokes a hole in their tummies because they are done. thought it was kind of cute. I want you to know I brought mine home with a hole in the tummy, but they wasn't done. <laughs> they were just starting. A lot of nights you stay up all night with them. I think we'd be better off if we'd spend some of that time praying for them. Instead of worrying so much about them. God's been good to me as a father. I can't complain. I've got all my kids food. They think I can fix anything. But I can't. I try. I always figured if somebody made something it'd run. And it's quit. I'd make it run. I always figure if somebody made a hair dryer for the girls and we couldn't afford to buy a new one, I could fix it. And they've used a many of a fixed hair dryer to dry their hair. And they bring projects to me, and I sometimes say to myself, I don't know how in the world I'm going to fix this. God, please give me some idea of how to fix what they have brought. And usually in a few days, I can call them, tell them, come pick it up. It's fixed. How did you fix it? I don't know. <laughs> so we all have a responsibility to raise them the way that God wants them to be raised. Train them up in the way that they should go. That when they grow old, they will not depart from that training that they have received. Not what you've been taught over the years.
that don't work. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for our time together. I realize that uh, those who are here have heard the message. And they have, we have many different walks of life present here today. We've got, we've got single people with no children. We have young married couples here with uh, no children. We've got young married couples here with children. We've got grandparents here who have raised children. And in this world where everything is uh, instrumentic, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could kind of push a button like on a microwave and our child just turned out to be perfect? But we push the buttons and it doesn't work. We're not getting what we thought we would get. But I pray for every mother and dad here today. I pray for the dad that's doing his best. Trying to keep things together. Trying to bring them children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Father, give us wisdom. Put a hedge of protection around our homes and our families. And Father, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for what's accomplished in our families. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you.